السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected listeners, as promised, inshallah, today I'll be sharing a few thoughts about the <coughs> love of the companions, radiyallahu anhum, for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The love of the Muslims for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is an undeniable throughout history, even today. And if this is the passion and the love for the Messenger وسلم, of normal, common people who are so removed from him by many centuries and generations, then what can be said of the love of the Sahaba who saw him, lived with him, and had first-hand experience of his company. Allah has actually praised their love in the Qur'an. In a verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, of Surah Al-Mujadala, لَا تَجِدُ قَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ يُوَادُّونَ مَنْ حَادَّ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَهُ وَلَوْ كَانُوا آبَاءَهُمْ أَوْ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ أَوْ إِخْوَانَهُمْ أَوْ عَشِيرَتَهُمْ أُولَئِكَ كَتَبَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَأَيَّدَهُمْ بِرُوحٍ مِّنْهِ وَيُدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ أُولَئِكَ حِزْبُ اللَّهِ أَلَا إِنَّ حِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Allah says you will not find a people, and specifically Allah is referring to and speaking of the noble companions, عنهم. He says you will not find a people who believe in Allah and in the final day, <coughs> befriending those who have challenged Allah and his messenger even though they may be their fathers, their parents, or their sons, meaning their children, or their brothers, or their families. These are a people in whose hearts Allah has engraved Iman. And Allah has supported them with the spirit from himself. And Allah shall enter them into gardens beneath which rivers will flow. Therein they shall reside forever. 
Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with Allah. These are the party of Allah. And it is the party of Allah which is successful. Or who are successful. So specifically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking of and referring to the noble companions radiallahu anhum. That when they were tested in their faith. They always sided with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And that they wouldn't befriend anyone who challenged Allah and the Messenger of, uh, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even though they may be their own parents, their children, their siblings, and their own families. And that was evident. The love of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam exceeded their love for their children, for their parents, for their siblings, for themselves. In fact, as Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, rahmatullahi both relate, from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu an, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has said, for all Muslims, not just the companions, but for anyone who believes in the Messenger of Allah, till the day of reckoning, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس أجمعين that one of you cannot be a true believer until I am more beloved to him than his parents and his children and the whole of mankind. And again, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, rahmatullahi alayhi, I relate that, and this is a wording of Bukhari, that once the Sahaba radiallahu anhum saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam holding the hands of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhum. So Umar radiallahu said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, O Messenger of Allah, out of all the people, you are the most beloved to me. After myself. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, O Umar, no, until I am more beloved to you than even your own soul. So Umar radiallahu anhu said, Indeed, O Messenger of Allah, you are more beloved to me than my own soul. So the Prophet wasallam said, Now, O Umar, now. And these weren't just words. Indeed, their love for the Prophet wasallam exceeded their love for themselves and for their own families. Imam Hakim rahmatullahi relates in his al-mustadrak that when Abu Bakr and his father Abu Quhafa embraced Islam. By that time, he was blind. So he was brought to the Prophet ﷺ by Abu Bakr. And he pledged his allegiance to the Messenger ﷺ and gave him his bay'ah on Islam. So when he extended his hand, and the Prophet ﷺ took the hand of the father of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq Abu Bakr and began weeping. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Oh Abu Bakr, what causes you to weep? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, how I wish that that hand which has been extended to you to pledge Islam, how I wish 
that that wasn't the hand of my father, but rather the hand of your uncle, so that you would be happy by that side. Imagine. To Abu Bakr radiallahu an and to the others, the iman of the family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa meant more than the Islam of their own families. Umar radiallahu an did exactly the same. Again, after the Battle of Badr, when the prisoners of the Quraysh were taken to different, were taken into Medina, at night the Prophet didn't sleep very well. And the next morning he said to Umar that I couldn't sleep at night because of my fear for my uncle Abbas. Since Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he had fought with the mushrikeen, he had fought with the pagans, and he was captured. So Umar radiallahu and Abbas was being held by the Ansar Sahaba. So Umar radiallahu said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, shall I go and speak to the Ansar so that they may release him? So the Prophet ﷺ said, please do. So Umar went to the Ansar who were holding Abbas captive and he said to them, release Abbas. So they refused. They said, we will not release him because he was a captive of the Battle of Badr. And this was immediately after the battle. In Medina. So Umar radiallahu anhu said, Won't you release him even though this is the pleasure of the Messenger of Allah? So they said, If it's the pleasure of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then indeed we will release him. So they released him. So Umar radiallahu anhu took Abbas by the hand and walked with him, taking him to the Messenger of Allah. And then he said to him, O oh Abbas, why don't you embrace Islam? For by Allah, the fact that you would embrace Islam is more beloved to me than the embracing of Islam by my own father, Khaddaf. Why? Because I know of the joy that this would bring to the heart of the Messenger of Allah. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, they actually wanted the uncles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to embrace Islam more than they wanted their own fathers to embrace Islam. Why? Only because the desire of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam overtook their own desire. The pleasure of the Messenger of Allah meant more than their own pleasure. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, right from the beginning, when he embraced Islam, not only was he a friend to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and this is a remarkable thing, the love of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu wasn't simply the love of a friend or a family member. Those who knew the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam from before, They loved the Prophet sallallahu in both ways. Abu Bakr radiallahu loved the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu as a friend. 
and also as a father-in-law. But most importantly, as a messenger of Allah. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ loved him as a husband. But more than they loved him as a husband, they loved him as a messenger of Allah. And their words and their deeds show this. How many stories can we and should we relate about the love of the companions for Rasulullah ﷺ? The collection of hadith is replete with examples. Almost every conversation, every interaction speaks volumes of their love for him. When they would speak to him, they would say, May my father and my mother be your ransom, O Messenger of Allah. And these weren't just mere words. His comfort meant more to them than their own comfort. His joy and happiness more than their own joy and happiness. Abu Bakr right from the beginning, he was the first of the male adults to embrace Islam. When he embraced, he tried his utmost to protect the Prophet On one occasion, Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayd, that scoundrel who did so much to hurt the Messenger of Allah He's the one who placed the amniotic sac and the afterbirth of the she-camel on the back of the Messenger of Allah whilst he was in prostration. On another occasion, he is the one who placed his foot on the neck of Rasulullah On another occasion, he took his cloth and he wrapped it around the neck of Rasulullah and began choking him with it. And it was on that occasion that Abu Bakr and rushed to him and saved the Prophet ﷺ and said to the Quraysh who were assembled, أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا أَنْ يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ That, do you slay a man simply because he says, my Lord is Allah? When indeed he has come to you with clear proofs from your Lord, so when Abu Bakr saved the Prophet ﷺ from Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayt, they left the Messenger of Allah and they fell upon Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and they beat him so severely that Abu Bakr was sandal-whipped across his face repeatedly until his face became extremely blooded and he was rendered unconscious. He was carried home and there he remained unconscious for the rest of the day and his mother and others tended to him and then when his eyes opened the first words that came out of his mouth were how is a messenger of Allah? His own mother rebuked him saying Allah have mercy on you that this is what you have experienced and this is what you have gone through. And even now, all you can think of is a messenger of Allah. His mother tried to feed him. He refused, saying, I will not eat a single morsel of food until I have set eyes on the messenger of Allah and until I am satisfied that he is well. 
So they took him to the Prophet That was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq defense of the Messenger of Allah, his sacrifice, his love. And this wasn't the love of a friend or a family member. This was the love of an ummati for the Messenger. The love of a believer for the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, whether in Mecca or whether in Medina, throughout their lives, they demonstrated immense and unbelievable love for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhum, when he emigrated with the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at every step of the journey, he, he did so much. He served the Prophet of Allah. He protected him. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam wanted to sit somewhere, Abu Bakr radiallahu like a living, caring servant, he would clean the place. He watered, uh, sorry, he milked the animals and stood before the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to give him milk to drink. He wept for the sake of the Messenger of Allah. He would look frantically to and fro trying to look out for him. He feared for the life of the Prophet more than he feared for his own life. And then, that was his, throughout, his experience throughout, before the Prophet was about to depart from this world in his final days, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sat on the mimbo. And Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu relates his hadith as Imam Bukhari and others record it. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu says, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that indeed Allah gave a choice to a servant between the dunya, the world, and the akhirah and that which is with Allah. So the servant chose that which is with Allah. So Abu Bakr radiallahu began weeping profusely. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum looked at him in wonderment. And Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu himself says that we began saying, Ma yubki hadha shaykh? What causes this shaykh, this elder, to weep? But Abu Sa'id Khudri radiallahu anhu says, that the servant was none other than the messenger of Allah. And the one who understood the most and the best and the most knowledgeable amongst all of us was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu For he knew that those words meant that Allah had given a choice to the Prophet sallallahu to remain in this world or to choose the company of Allah. So he chose that which was with Allah. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anh understood that he is about to depart. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam turned to him. And well, he turned to the congregation and said, There has been no one who has been more kind and generous to me in his company and in his wealth than Abu Bakr. And if it wasn't, And if I was to take anyone as the dearest and best friend, I would take Abu Bakr as my dearest and best friend. But rather, 
It's the friendship of Islam. Meaning, indeed, he was the dearest to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the love of Allah and the love of Islam was greater even in the heart of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, than anyone or anything else. But that was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu All of the Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, were similar in various degrees of their love and affection for Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They, Allah honored them with his company in the dunya. And they wanted that company to last forever. Not just in this world, but even in the hereafter. This is why Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim and others relate from Anas bin Malik radiallahu an, who says that a, a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, When is the final hour of judgment? So the Prophet said to him, And what have you prepared for the final hour? So he said, O Messenger of Allah, I have not prepared much. Except, Except that I love Allah and his Messenger. So the Prophet said, that you are or you shall be with those whom you love. So Anas radiallahu anhu says, we were never pleased with anything as much as we were pleased with the words of the Prophet that day, that you shall be with those whom you love. Then Anas radiallahu anhu says, so indeed I do love the Messenger of Allah and Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah. And I hope to be with them through the barakah and the blessing of my love for them, even though I have not done the deeds that they have done. And this wasn't just Anas radiallahu In the same hadith by the narration of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his Musnad, Anas radiallahu anhu says, that when they heard the Prophet ﷺ say this, that you shall be with those whom you love. And for them, it didn't mean being with their families or their other loved ones. Rather, it meant being with the Messenger of Allah. So Anas says, when the Sahaba heard this, nothing from the day they embraced Islam pleased them more than what they heard on that day from Rasulullah. Nothing. Their greatest joy was embracing Islam. And after embracing Islam, their greatest joy was learning that through their love for Rasulullah, they can hope to be with him. In fact, the Prophet said the same to more than one companion. Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu. Again, Imam Abu Dawood relates in his Sunan and others that Abu Dhar came to the Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, there is someone who loves a people, but he cannot keep up with them because he does not perform the deeds they perform. And the Prophet understood what he meant. So he said to him, O oh, Abu Dhar, you shall be with those whom you love. So Abu Dhar said, I love Allah and his Messenger. So the Prophet said, You shall be with those whom you love. 
Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu repeated it. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam repeated his words. Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu repeated, I love Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam repeated to him, O Abu Dhar, you shall be with those whom you love. He said it thrice. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam repeated it thrice. This meant so much to them that they could be with the messenger of Allah in this world and in the akhirah. In fact, their love for him was such that they couldn't do without seeing him. Imam Tabarani relates from Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said to him, O Messenger of Allah, I love you more than I love myself. I love you more than I love my family. I love you more than I love my children. And at times I'm at home and I'm disturbed and impatient. I cannot be settled or patient until I have seen you. So I come to the masjid to see you, Messenger of Allah. And he said then, and in one narration, he said, I'm so disturbed and not being able to see you that I rush to come out and see you. I actually fear that my soul will depart. Then he said, O Messenger of Allah, I then think of your passing away and my passing away. And then I think that when you will enter Jannah, you will be raised to the highest degree with the other prophets. And if I enter Jannah, I won't be able to see you. So the Prophet ﷺ did not say anything to him. Then... Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the verse of the Qur'an. وَمَنْ يُطِعِ اللَّهُ وَالرَّسُولَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ وَالشَّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّارِعِينَ وَحَسُنَ أُولَٰئِكَ رَفِيقًا That whoever obeys Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then these are the ones who shall be with those on whom Allah has bestowed his favor from amongst the prophets and the voracious, and the martyrs, and the pious. And how great and how beautiful are these people as companions. So the Prophet wasallam, when he received this verse, he actually related it and recited this verse to this man. That was their love for Rasulullah wasallam. They could not bear not to see him. They had to see him. And... There are so many similar stories of the Sahaba radiallahu and men and women who, who would satisfy themselves merely with the sight of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Once, in fact, after the Battle of Uhud, it's related that many Sahaba radiallahu anhum were martyred. And one lady, she learned that her father and her brother and her husband had all, had all been killed. Even though she was given the news that these family members had been martyred, she said, how is the messenger of Allah? They told her, he is well. She said, take me to him. I will not be satisfied until my eyes have rested on the messenger of Allah. They took her to him. When she saw the Prophet wasallam. She said to him, O Messenger of Allah, 
after having seen you safe and well, all my calamities are light. So men and women would satisfy themselves just with the mere sight of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The love of the Messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu wa sallam, is not something, for, by the Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, is not something we can fully fathom, nor did the people of before. Urwat ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi, radiyallahu anhum, who embraced Islam later, but who wasn't a Muslim at the time of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah in the 60th of Hijrah. He was in Mecca, and the Prophet ﷺ was camped at Hudaybiyah a few miles away, and there were negotiations, because the Quraysh prevented the Messenger ﷺ from entering the city. He wanted to perform Umrah and the pilgrimage, and there was a fear that there could be a battle between the Quraysh of Mecca and the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba anhum, who were with him. So there were some discussions and negotiations in that period. Urwat ibn Mas'ud, who was one of the chieftains of Banu Thaqif and a great diplomat, he told the Quraysh, let me go and speak to Muhammad and his companions. He wasn't a Muslim at the time. So he came. And he spoke to the Prophet ﷺ. And whilst he was in the camp, he, Imam Bukhari, and others all relate that he began observing the companions very carefully. And what he saw, in his own words, he saw that the Sahaba around the Prophet ﷺ was such that when he brought up phlegm, this is a messenger of Allah, when he coughed and brought up phlegm, and he spat that phlegm, the Sahaba anhum rushed forth to catch his spit, and then they would anoint their faces and their bodies with the spit of the messenger of Allah. Ibn Ishaq relates that when hairs would fall off the head of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on that same occasion, in the words of Urwa, they would rush to collect the single hairs of the Messenger of Allah. And when he did wudu, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum would jostle with each other in catching the drops of wudu that fell from his limbs whilst he was performing ablution. When he spoke, they all felt silent so that they could hear him. When he issued a command, they all rushed and competed with one another to fulfill that command. And again, in the words of Urwa, not one of them looked up and stared at the Prophet ﷺ out of reverence for him. So he went and reported this to the Quraysh. And he advised them that leave Muhammad be. And as part of his advice to them, he related his experience that I went. And this is what I saw. 
He said, oh, Quraysh, listen to me. Because he was a diplomat. I have visited kings and I have been to the royal courts of Rome, Persia, and Abyssinia. And he, he mentioned the words, I have visited Caesar, meaning this was the eastern Byzantine Roman emperor. And I have visited Cosro in Persia. And I have visited Negus in Abyssinia. And yet I have never seen any group of people or subjects revere their leader and their emperor as much as I have seen the companions of Muhammad revere him. And this was a testimony of Urwat ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Abu Sufyan gave a similar testimony. One of the, some of the Sahaba were sent by the Prophet And unfortunately, they, they were deceived and then they were captured. So when they were captured, <coughs> they were taken to Makkah al-Mukarramah and sold to the Quraysh. And the Quraysh purchased these captives in order to kill them. So one of them, Zayd ibn al-Dathina, he was bought by Safwan ibn Umayyah, who wanted to avenge his father, Umayyad ibn Khalaf, who had been killed in the Battle of Badr. So he wanted to avenge his father, so he purchased Zayd radiyallahu anhu, so that he could slay him. And then Zayd ibn Dathina radiyallahu anhu was taken away from Mecca to Tan'im. Why was he taken to Tan'im? Since Tan'im is in the hill, not the haram, it's just outside the haram. When we, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sent Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha to enter into the state of Ihram from Mecca to Tan'im because Tan'im is the, just outside the Haram area. So the Quraysh, even though they were pagans, they still revered the Haram. And in order to kill Zayd radiallahu anhu, they at least thought to themselves, we won't kill him in the Haram. So they sent him to Tan'im. And there... Some of the Quraysh gathered, including Abu Sufyan, to witness the execution of Zayd ibn al-Dathina. So Abu Sufyan approached him and he said to him, O Zayd, wouldn't you wish, this is just before his execution, wouldn't you wish that you could be safe and sound and content amongst your family at home? And Muhammad be in your place. And that we strike off the head of Muhammad. So Zayd ibn Dathina radiallahu anhu said, By Allah, I do not even wish that I be content, safe and sound in my family and a single thorn prick the foot of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Then they executed him. Then Abu Sufyan turned to the rest and he said, I have never seen anyone amongst all the people 
loving anyone else the way the companions of Muhammad loved Muhammad. So these were two testimonies by individuals who were both non-Muslims at the time and both chieftains, one of Thaqif and one of the Quraysh, Urwat ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi, Abu Sufyan, that we have never seen anyone love and revere anyone else the way the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa love and revere him. And indeed, that was the nature of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. Not just love, but reverence. And in fact, this is something we as believers have been commanded by Allah. Not just to love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa but to revere him and to support him. Allah says, إِنَّا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ شَاهِدًا وَمُبَشِّرًا وَنَذِيرًا لِتُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَتُعَزِّرُوهُ وَتَوَقِّرُوهُ وَتَسَبِّحُوهُ بُكْرَةً وَأَصِيلًا That indeed we have sent you, O Messenger of Allah, we have sent you as a witness and as a giver of glad tidings and as a warner so that you, O people, you may believe in Allah and in His Messenger وَتُعَزِّرُوهُ and so that you may support him. And so that you may revere him. And so that you may hymn the praise and name of Allah morning and evening. So we have actually been commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just to love him. And not just to believe in him. But to actually support the messenger of Allah. And also to revere the messenger of Allah. Sallallahu And this is how the sahaba radiallahu anhum were. They revered, they didn't just love the Prophet ﷺ, but as Urwah ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi related, they revered the Prophet ﷺ, and their reverence for him was greater than the reverence of subjects in the royal courts of Rome and Persia and Abyssinia. And in fact, when the Prophet ﷺ spoke, they fell silent. Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi relates in his sunan, and so does Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, that when the Prophet ﷺ would come out into the masjid, none of the Sahaba anhum would raise their gaze at the Prophet ﷺ, with the exception of two people, Abu Bakr and Umar for they were the only ones who would raise their gaze at him. They would look at him and they would smile at him and he would smile back at them. But other than Abu Bakr and Umar none of the Sahaba would even raise their gaze at the Prophet And in many ahadith, on many different occasions, not just on one occasion, but many different settings and occasions, the Sahaba described the way they were seated around the Messenger of Allah. And one of their most famous phrases would be, It was as though birds were perched upon our heads. Birds were perched upon their heads. Meaning they would be lowered, their heads would be lowered and completely still to the extent that birds could remain perched on their heads and not be disturbed. This was out of reverence for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when Urwat ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi speaks of them taking his spit and saliva and anointing themselves, again this was a common occurrence. Not just on the occasion of Hudaybiyah, 
It's a question of love. Others may not understand this. Others may not understand this. But for the Prophet ﷺ's companions, his saliva, his spit, his, no, his single strands of his noble hair, the drops of water falling from his limbs, every single one of these things meant so much to the Sahaba anhum. And not only that, in fact, to his wives. Umm Sulaym radiyallahu anha, the mother of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anha. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had a very special connection with her family. Because she and her husband were devoted to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Utterly devoted. And her son Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anha was his ward and his attendant. So he would often go to her house in the afternoon and rest in siesta, as siesta, and take a siesta there. So when he would rest at her house, Umm Sulaym radiyallahu anha would collect his perspiration in a bottle and use it as perfume. And the wives of the Prophet ﷺ would actually ask her for some of that too. These were the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. So again, this was a common occurrence. In fact, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim and others all relate from Abu Musa al-Ash'ari that they were camped at Ji'rana near Mecca. And a Bedouin came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said to him, O Muhammad, fulfill your promise to me. The Prophet ﷺ must have promised to give him some wealth. So he said to him, O Muhammad, fulfill your promise to me. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Abshir, meaning receive the glad tidings. This is a phrase in Arabic which was used then and it's still used, which is a way of saying, don't worry, it will be done. Consider it done. Consider it done. So, in fact, that phrase is used today, and it was used all the way uh, back at the time of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the Bedouin came and said to him, O Muhammad, fulfill your promise to me. So the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, said, Abshir, consider it done. So the man said to him, I've had enough of your Abshir. You've given me enough. You've said enough of abshir, abshir to me. I've had enough of your abshir. So the Prophet ﷺ became very annoyed. And then he turned to Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu And along with him was Bilal ibn Rabah radiyallahu So the Prophet ﷺ said to Abu Musa and Bilal that he has rejected the glad tidings of the Messenger of Allah. So you both accept the glad tidings of the Messenger of Allah. So they both said, Ya Rasulullah, we have accepted. They didn't know what it was, but they said, Ya Rasulullah, we have accepted. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered a bowl of water. And when he was brought to him, he washed his noble hands in it. Then he washed his face in it. Then he spat in it. And then he gave it to Abu Musa and Bilal radiallahu anhumah. And he said to them, drink of this and pour on your faces and on your bosoms. 
So Bilal ibn Rabah and Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu an both took that water and they drank from it and they poured it over their face and their bosoms. Umm Salamah radiyallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she was standing behind the curtain and she actually addressed both of them and said, Afdila li'ummikuma, that leave some for your mother too. So they both, Abu Musa and Bilal radiyallahu an, left some of that water for Umm Salamah radiyallahu anha. The wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't just love him as a husband, they loved him and revered him as a messenger of Allah. Indeed, as a messenger of Allah. And that meant taking from his perspiration and using it as perfume. It meant drinking from his leftover water, even that which he spat in. And in fact, one that was touched by both Bilal ibn Rabah and Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhumah. They, why? Because they considered it to be barakah and a blessing. Again, like I said, we may not be able to understand this. The Sahaba radiallahu anhu meant even further. They would seize any opportunity to touch the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imam Hakim rahmatullahi relates about Usaid ibn Hudayr radiallahu anhu, who was an Ansari Sahabi. And we've all heard the famous story of the companion who was reciting the Qur'an at night while his son was close by and his horse was tied up and the angels had descended to listen to his recitation of the Qur'an. That was none other than the same, Usaid ibn Hudayr radiyallahu Now this narration of Hakim says that Usaid ibn Hudayr was a very humorous person. He would joke a lot and he would make people laugh. So on one occasion he was seated with the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum and he was joking with them and making them all laugh when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa appeared. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa had a stick. So he poked Usaid ibn Hudayr radiyallahu in his side here, just above his hips. So Usaid radiyallahu spoke up and said, Ya Rasulullah, you've hurt me. You've hurt me. And I seek retribution. So the Prophet ﷺ said, well, seek, take your retribution. So he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, he, he never had a shirt on him at the time. So he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, you have a shirt on you. I don't have a shirt. So the Prophet ﷺ removed his shirt. So Usaid ibn Hadayr rushed up to him, embraced him, clung to him, and began kissing his noble torso and body just above his hips. And then he said, yeah, Bi'abi anta wa ummi ya Rasulullah. May my father and my mother be your ransom, O Messenger of Allah. This is all that I wanted to do. Again, on, in the Battle of Badr, Allahu Akbar, in the Battle of Badr, There was one Sahabi radiyallahu anhu whose name, whose name was Sawad. So Sawad radiyallahu anhu was standing in the battle of Badr, just before the battle. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was inspecting the line of troops, again with a stick. And Sawad ibn Ghaziyah, that was his name, Sawad ibn Ghaziyah radiyallahu anhu, 
his, he was slightly forward. So the Prophet ﷺ pushed him with the stick since he was slightly forward from the rest of the line. So Sawad said, Ya Rasulullah, you have hurt me. And Allah has sent you as a prophet with truth and with justice. So I seek justice. So the Prophet ﷺ said, seek your justice. And he opened his shirt. So Sawad again went and kissed the abdomen of Rasulullah And when he did that, Prophet said to him, Oh Sawad, why did you do that? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, you know the situation we are in, and I fear that I will die. So what I wanted is that before I leave this world, the last thing that should happen is that my skin should touch your skin. So then they not only took his saliva and his leftover water and jostled for it, they made every attempt to touch him in a noble way. And in fact, we may not be able to understand this, but let's go further. The Sahaba went even further than that. Imam Bazzar relates that Abdullah ibn Zubayr he was present when the Prophet ﷺ had some cupping done. So since the blood was extracted, and that's normally foul blood. Since the idea behind cupping is that cupping extracts the foul blood from the body. So the blood that was extracted, the Prophet ﷺ told Abdullah ibn Zubayr, Here, take this. And bury it far away from the eyes of people and animals. So Abdullah ibn Zubayr went. And when he came back, the Prophet wasallam said to him, Have you done it? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, I've placed it where no one, can, no one can get to it. I've placed it in such a way that it's concealed from all people. So the Prophet wasallam said, Oh, Abdullah, what have you done? Have you drunk it? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, yes, I've drunk your blood. So then the Prophet, in, one, in another narration, the Prophet said, The fire of Jahannam will not touch you, except to fulfill the promise of Allah, which is, These words aren't in the hadith, but this is what's normally meant. In the hadith, there are many occasions when the Prophet said, You will not enter the fire, except to fulfill the oath, or you will not enter, the fire will not touch you except to fulfill the oath. And that's what he said here. And the meaning of that is that Allah has promised, that there is not a single one of you except that he shall pass through Jahannam. And this is a promise binding on your Lord, decreed. So the people of Jannah will whiz through without being touched in any way. But that is the promise of Allah. So again, the Prophet said to Abdullah ibn Zubayr, the fire will not touch you except to fulfill the oath and promise. And Imam Tabarani relates from Safina, and he did exactly the same. The Prophet had some cupping done, and he told him, go and dispose of the blood. He came back, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I've drank your blood. 
Prophet ﷺ merely smiled at him. He didn't say anything. He smiled at him. And Malik ibn Sinan, another Sahabi, again, this was on the day of Uhud, Imam Tabarani relates that when the Prophet ﷺ was injured in the battle of Uhud, Malik ibn Sinan began treating the Prophet ﷺ. And since he was bleeding, Malik ibn Sinan, the Prophet ﷺ's helmet, was damaged and it was embedded in the noble face of the Messenger of Allah. He lost his teeth as well, two teeth. And because of the injury, Prophet ﷺ was bleeding. Malik ibn Sinan was treating the Prophet ﷺ by sucking the blood. And normally they would suck the blood and then spit it. But Malik ibn Sinan was sucking the blood and actually drinking it. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, O Malik, are you drinking the blood? So he said, Yes, Ya Rasulullah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, My blood has mixed with his blood. The fire shall not touch it. Again, this isn't something we may understand. But the Sahaba ﷺ went to the extent of drinking the blood of Rasulullah ﷺ. Not just the leftover water. For them... Defending and protecting the Prophet ﷺ, giving their lives for him was nothing. Again, on the day of Uhud, Abu Talha al-Ansari he was with the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ had retreated. Abu Talha was with him. Abu Talha was an archer. So he was right in front of the Prophet ﷺ, and he was shooting and firing his arrows. Whenever he would fire an arrow, the Prophet ﷺ was using him as a shield, and then he'd peep over. As soon as he fired an arrow, the Prophet ﷺ would peep up from behind him to observe where the arrows went and landed. So as soon as Abu Talha would see the Prophet ﷺ rising behind him, he would stand tall and stand in front of him and cover him, and say, Ya Rasulullah, this is me, my bosom is your bosom, is a shield for your bosom. O Messenger of Allah, I am at your service. Command and instruct me as you wish. This was just one Sahabi radiallahu anhu. All of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were such. Indeed, as Allah says, you will not find a people befriending those who challenge Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even though they may be their own fathers. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, his son was a sincere sahabi radiyallahu In fact, I spoke of Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayt earlier on, the one who hurt the Prophet ﷺ so much, his own daughter embraced Islam. And not only that, at a tender young age, virgin, unmarried, from a noble family of the Quraysh, she alone travelled all the way from Mecca to Medina to do hijrah. And she undertook that journey. Why? The Prophet ﷺ was commanded by Allah to question her and to question all the other women who emigrated. This was after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. And part of his questioning to her was, have you emigrated from Mecca to Medina for the sake of the world, for the sake of marriage, for the sake of anything else? 
And then his final question to, the, to them would be, have you emigrated to Medina only out of love for Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam? And she said yes. And that was the daughter of Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayd. Similarly, the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the hypocrite. His name was Abdullah too. He was a sincere believer. And when his father insulted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he said to him, O Messenger of Allah, he expressed his devotion and his love to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam like many of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, not just Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, not just Abdullah, the son of Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, but many others. All of them said similar things. And this is of which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you will not find a people befriending those who have challenged Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, even though they may be their own fathers, their sons, their brothers, or their families. These are a people in whose hearts Allah has engraved iman and faith. Allah is pleased with them. They are pleased with Allah. Sahaba radiyallahu anhum was such that they feared the passing away of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when it happened, it's something they couldn't understand, that they couldn't tolerate. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahmatullahi relates, that the Prophet ﷺ dispatched Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu to Yemen. And can you imagine the scene? Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu is being dispatched and sent to Yemen. And the Prophet ﷺ is accompanying him out of Medina. But the Prophet ﷺ is walking on foot and holding the reins of Mu'adh ibn Jabal's mount, whilst Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu an is astride his mount and riding. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he had led him far enough and bid him farewell, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him, O Mu'adh, it is highly possible that when you return next year, you will not find me. Rather, you will find my masjid and you will find my grave. So Mu'adh ibn Jibbal burst out weeping. And in one narration he said to him, O oh, Mu'adh, do not weep. And then the Prophet وسلم, looked towards Medina and said, Indeed, the dearest people to me and the closest people to me are the people of taqwa, whoever they may be and wherever they may be. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal as soon as he heard the words that you will find my masjid and my grave but not me, he burst out weeping. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said to him, Mu'adh, do not weep. The sahaba radiyallahu anhum could not bear this thought. And this is what they feared. In fact, many of them believed that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would actually remain and outlast them. And this is why when he fell ill and when he passed away, we learn that Abu Bakr radiallahu as soon as he heard the words that Allah gave a servant a choice between this world and that which is with Allah, he chose that which is with Allah, he wept. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa did actually pass away, 
They couldn't believe it. They were in a state of utter shock and consternation. Umar stood up outside the masjid and drew his sword. And brandishing his sword, he said, The Prophet of Allah has only gone to meet and speak with Allah just as Musa السلام, went to meet and speak with Allah. And he shall return just as Musa السلام, returned. And anyone who suggests that the Prophet وسلم, has departed from this world, I will strike off his hands and feet. And no one could pacify Umar radiallahu It was Abu Bakr radiallahu who came calmly, went to the masjid, entered the room and chamber where the Prophet وسلم, lay, bend over, weep, kiss the Messenger of Allah, say words to him, and then come out. Try to silence Umar but he was in such a state that he could not be silenced. So Abu Bakr began speaking calmly and said to them, recited the verse of the Quran that indeed you shall die and they shall die. And the other verse, Muhammadun that Muhammad is but a messenger. Many messengers have passed before him. What if he dies or if he is killed? You shall turn on your heels and flee. And whoever turns on his heels and flees, then he shall not harm Allah in the least. And Allah shall be grateful. Allah shall reward those who are grateful. So when he recited this verse, Umar an, having heard him, he understood, he fell down and he collapsed. And the Sahaba anhum actually mentioned that for some of us, it felt as though this verse had not been revealed till that day. It doesn't mean that they never knew it, but they were in such a state of shock that this was their first realization that indeed the prophets of Allah could die and had died. So the Sahaba anhum just could not bear it, could not tolerate it. And in fact, in the Battle of Uhud, when the rumors spread that the Prophet had passed away, one Sahabi, others, they were in such a state of shock that they actually sat down in the battlefield, lay down their shields and lay down their weapons. So one Sahabi who came across them and he said, what is it with you? So they said, we have heard that the Messenger of Allah has been killed. So the Sahabi radiallahu anh said to them, well, if that is the case, what joy in there is there in life after the Messenger of Allah? And he went and he plunged himself into battle. So for them, there was no idea of life after the Prophet And when the Prophet did depart from this world, for them it was extremely painful. It meant more to them than even the death of their own children, their own family members. And then after that, they would long to be with him. And Ammar ibn Yasir and others, including Bilal would utter the following words. And many authors have narrated that Bilal when he was on his deathbed, about to depart, his wife was wailing and weeping and lamenting and she was saying, Woe, alas, woe be unto me, alas, how great a calamity has befallen me. 
And Bilal on his deathbed, he actually turned to her and he said, Do not say, oh, do not say, alas, oh, woe be unto me, what a calamity. Rather say, wa farhata, wa farhata. Oh, joy, oh, joy. Ghadan nalqal ahibbah, Muhammadin wa Tomorrow we shall meet the beloved ones, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his companions. That's how the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum were in this dunya before the, uh, during the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and also after the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These were just a few incidents and stories and accounts of the love of the, mess, of the, love of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam exhibited by the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum and actually deeply felt by them. Otherwise, when we study the hadith and the stories of the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, almost every conversation, every interaction, every gathering is replete with examples of their love and reverence for him. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to understand and follow in the footsteps of the noble Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. May Allah enable us to love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as he should be loved. وصلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك